Apple's got four new iPhones, each offering a slightly different set of features. So which one is the right one for you? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is our editor tasked with reviewing all these iPhones, Patrick Collin. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, thank you, Roger. Thanks for having me. So just to get started, um, we want to preface this. You're, you're getting your impressions. You're sharing your impressions really from the virtual event that we all watched yesterday. Um but I, I wanted to sort of get your your immediate gut reaction from the iPhone 12 family when it was unveiled. What did you think? Um, my immediate gut reaction was like, hey, the iPhone 5 is back uh, because all these phones have that kind of, I describe it um, maybe in not the most eloquent way is if the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 5 had a baby. It's what it kind of looks like to me, but it looks really good. Um, it has the squared off edges, kind of like the iPad Pro. Um, and what's neat about it is uh, you have four of them, and that can be a little overwhelming. You're like, well, which one do I want? But if we just really think of them as kind of two phones, you have the 12 and the 12 Pro, and the 12 Pro comes in a 6.1-inch size and a larger 6.7-inch um, uh, Pro Max size. And then there's the iPhone 12, which comes in a 6.1-inch size, and a smaller, which I'm really excited about, iPhone mini uh, that has a 5.4-inch screen. And that iPhone mini... I think can be pretty darn cool. Well, yeah, let's let's jump into that. The, the iPhone 12 Mini is really the it's the first of its kind. It's the first time you're, they're using the Mini name for the iPhone. Um, interesting to me that the the 12 Mini uh, has all the same features as the 12. Um, just it's it's a little bit smaller physically. Um, so, what do you think of that? And how big of a deal is the i12 iPhone 12 Mini? For Apple. Well, Roger, I want to just acknowledge the the great little uh, nugget you included there. It's the first time an iPhone's been called Mini, but we've had like an iPod Mini, we've had an iPad Mini, we've had a Mac Mini. So it's kind of like, yeah, this is it. Um, the fact that, in a weird way, I feel like Apple is listening to a bunch of us. I include our, our colleague Lynn Law in this as well, and our colleague Vanessa or Hand or Liano. That we all want a small iPhone. Um, these phones have gotten so big, and part of that is. Uh, not only you need those, the battery power we're used to, we want our phones to get through a day, day and a half would be great. Um, so if you have a smaller size, you can't have as big a battery. So the fact that they are able to have a body that's smaller than the current iPhone SE, which has the same body as like the iPhone 6, 7, 8, all those phones had, um, and has 5G and has these new cameras and is actually the most affordable of the four, is really kind of, I don't know, a little bit of a unicorn. I'm in disbelief. I'm excited for it, but I, I'm interested to use it to see how it handles up to everyday use. So let's break down some of these features. And the ones we're talking about right now are the ones that are, are universally available across all the, the entire lineup. But the first, obviously, the most important, at least for me, is, is 5G. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, they, they were able to cram in all the different bands of 5G. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know that there, you know, there's a low, a mid, and a high band of spectrum, which not all devices support. But Apple, for all the devices, actually support everything, at least here in the U.S., uh, including that millimeter wave spectrum, which isn't available in the international models. But what are your thoughts on uh, their big embrace of 5G? Yeah, I mean, in one sense, it's exciting because um, whether you like Apple or not, the fact that they've adopted it means it will be more widely adopted by other phones um, and carriers, uh, especially here in the U.S. where 5G is not spotty, but it, it's very different depending on what carrier you're with and where you live. Uh, and part of that is it's just the early days of 5G, right? 
But then there's the other aspect that if Apple does it, uh, in fact, they, they bragged a couple times during the event that they worked with carriers, specifically they focused on Verizon, um, about developing that. And I think that is good to know because Apple is such a big company, they do have that weight and power behind them. That being said, uh, I, I alluded to the iPhone 5 earlier, and the iPhone 5 was kind of like a, a mature version of the iPhone 4. And if we remember the iPhone 4, the band, the metal band on the outside was where the antennas were. And on the initial iPhone 4, that was the infamous antenna gate where you could uh, press and hold on a certain spot of the phone and lose connection, which, as Steve Jobs says, don't do that. Um, so it's interesting that the band... It's your fault. You're holding it wrong. You're holding it wrong. That's what he said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me misquote a very famous person. Um, no, but uh, I think it's interesting that the the design for all four of these phones goes back to that metal band and that's what's housing the 5G antennas. Again, I'm curious to see what that means. I'm curious to see what that means for people who are just upgrading their iPhone. Um, like this is their upgrade year. And maybe they don't live in an area where they have 5G. Or maybe their carrier doesn't have 5G. Does that mean they're going to switch? Does that mean they care? Um, as you know, um, uh, we've tested 5G in a bunch of different cities over the last couple of years. And most recently, I was in Chicago. And I remember sitting at a cafe across the street from a Verizon um, millimeter wave antenna or ultra wideband is what they're calling it. And it was fabulous, amazing speeds, but it's Chicago. What happens when it gets cold, right? And then other areas, I'm looking at T-Mobile and AT&T and they have the low and mid-band stuff and I get a great connection, but sometimes the speeds are even slower than 4G LTE. So I think it's exciting that Apple's behind this. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know how much it's going to push 5G forward, but it's, it'll, it's going to put a lot of pressure on those carriers to really get that service out there um, and to cover more people and have it be more um, consistent. And I, I'm curious about that. That being said, one more thing I'll, I'll thought is, is 4G LTE is really great. And I think that, that – um, I know we've talked about this before – that that is kind of like Apple's safety net, right? So if the 5G is not great in your area, you don't have it, you have really good 4G LTE. And something they didn't really talk about too much about the new iPhones is it actually has uh, the ability to handle twice the LTE speeds. Uh, went up from one gigabit per second to now two gigabits per second. So that's really exciting too. Is that, too, is that too nerdy, Roger? Is that too in the weeds? No, 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 no. You can't get too nerdy on this show. Uh, Gigabit LTE is a technology that's been around for a while. Actually, a lot of the high-end Android phones have had it for a little bit longer than Apple has. But uh, it's nice to know that they're sort of on par now with uh, the rest of the industry as when it comes to 4G LTE speeds because for a vast majority of Americans, that's still what they're going to be getting for, for a good long while. Uh, let's let's go into some of these other features. Uh, ceramic shield. What what is it? How does it work? Uh, and does it really? Do you really think it'll do as promised and, and protect your phone four times as well from drops? Uh, you could probably tell from my reaction. Again, some of these names. It's like it's like it just sounds like a ripoff, like Hollow Justice for DC Comics or something. Like we are part of the ceramic shield, you know. Um, but marketing names aside, I think. The way they described it, it, it's difficult to describe what it is because it's not really glass. And I think you know this as well. It's uh, it's a glass that's been infused with nano ceramic particles to strengthen it. And by doing that, it turns it into a different material other than glass. And I guess what Apple did with Corning is they worked closely together to get the clarity of this 
material, we'll call it a, a ceramic shield, uh, good enough to be used on a phone. Um, that being said, I, the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro had really great glass on those. And if you look at our drop test that um, our colleagues did, it handled great even being dropped from like 11 feet. Um, the screens did not crack. I think we had a, like a, a loose pixel or something on the screen. But um, yeah, so I think to be able to improve that to the next level, as far as their claims, you know, we got we had to take it with a, uh, a, a grain of salt, or in this case, four times the amount of grains of salt, because that's a big claim to make. And um, yeah, we'll just have to wait. But I'm hopeful. Um, that being said, they also announced all these crazy cool cases, uh, which I'm able to talk about MagSafe in a second here. So maybe that does go hand in hand with that more that extra durability. I mean, what do you think of the Corning stuff? What do you think of the, the ceramic shield? I mean, I know it's important to note because I think a lot of folks are curious because you know, obviously, Gorilla Glass has been a, a long standby in in iPhones uh, as well as other premium handsets, and it was clear they were making it clear, and Corning's made it clear that this ceramic shield is not Gorilla Glass, uh, and that the four X improvement that they were talking about was a four X improvement over the best Corning glass that's available. I believe that's the Victus variant that you can find in the Samsung phones. Um, and yeah, to your point, it's not, it's not glass. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it works. I mean, this is, it sounds a lot cooler than the, sort of the other, it reminds me of the other marketing term that Motorola used to use shatter shield, which I thought was like the coolest name for like, in terms of marketing names, that's a good name, but it ended up being like a, a cheap sheet of plastic over it that like held the glass together. So it wouldn't break. Um, so the technology was not, it was like a lot less interesting when you actually broke it down. This seems like from like a molecular level, no pun intended, level, no seems, pun intended yeah, huh, Roger. <laughs> exactly. But this seems more interesting, uh, more fascinating from like almost like a, a molecular perspective. But like, like I said, I'm taking this with uh, four grains of salt and we'll, we'll see what happens with, with our drop tests. Um, yeah, let's, well, and, and Roger, can I say this real quick? I think it is interesting, though, that it's not just on, like, the high-end iPhones. It's on all four, all four models. So, in one sense, we're talking about the differences and the similarities. It's really cool that they all have that same design, uh, that they all have this ceramic shield. Um, I'm trying to say it without smiling or laughing, because it is a silly name. Um, but it's also interesting that on the back, they still have the same glass they used on the 11 and 11 Pro, uh, which, again, was really durable in our test last year. So we'll see how it all stacks up. Yeah. And then speaking of features that are available across the entire family, MagSafe was the other one. Uh, MagSafe are these magnetic connectors that are embedded in the iPhone. Talk a little bit about that and some of those those cases and accessories that that Apple teased. I definitely will. I'm going to ask you a question though. I'm sure, did you ever have like a MacBook with the old school MagSafe and like it would pop off? I did. I, I love that MagSafe. It was, it was. Like, it's brilliant, right? It, it was, it was great. It was child friendly. It was just, it, that was before <laughs> I had kids, but like even back then I was like, this is, this is awesome. Why don't more laptops have this? And then it went away and I got sad. Yeah. It, <laughs> you got sad. <laughs> well, uh, for a couple of reasons there, we won't go deep in that, but I think it's interesting that we've seen Apple do this before where they, they bring back a name. So is it exactly the same MagSafe as we see on those MacBooks that people had for years and years? Not really. The commonality here is mag, which is the magnet. So um, without getting into air power, just acknowledge that that's a thing that didn't happen. That kind of should have happened. <laughs> um, you know, Apple wanted to come up with a solution for making wireless charging more efficient. And part of the big challenge with that is you use different 
um, accessory pads to put your phone on is it's all about the position. You can get a good position on the pad. Um, you can be more efficient with the charge. So what Apple did is basically embed a lot of special magnets into the phone. Um, and they're selling a mag charger that will give 15 watt wireless charging um, to the phone. And it kind of slaps on. And you were, you referenced um, Motorola earlier. <laughs> I feel like this is kind of Apple's take on, on um, those Motomods, right? Remember they used to attach the yes. magnets? Yep. Um, but that being said, they're not just stopping with a wireless charger. They also have cases that line up with this mag charge system for a more efficient charge. And they even kind of showed off a detachable wallet feature that takes advantage of it. And not to stop there, because it's Apple, if you put on like a, a magenta case, the screen kind of turns slightly a magenta color. If you put on that little detachable wallet, there's a little kind of like almost rippled um, water effect on the screen. That's the same size as that detachable wallet because it's Apple. Now, Apple said they are going to open this up to third parties, so it'll be exciting to see you know, what happens with this? Is it going to be the next Motomod? I'm not sure. Were Motomods ever at that level? I don't think so, but it's kind of exciting. It's kind of neat. People like magnets, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, I do see a lot of potential with this, and it may be stuff that Apple hasn't even thought of. Like, their, their universe of accessory makers are pretty innovative, and, like, I'm excited to see what or how they take advantage of this. The Moto, like, the Motomod concept was great uh and it's still kind of a thing i guess but you know the 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 scale of those phones they never sold enough to make it worth it for developers to really step in and so you you see apple coming in and you're immediately going to get a huge amount of scale so for any accessory maker or developer looking to take advantage of this like that's a huge potential market so i'm excited to see what how people take advantage of this. Well, and I'm wondering, like, going back to the Motomod for a second, Rod, do you remember, like, the first, quote-unquote, 5G phone was that, what, this is Moto Z3, and it had that 5G mod you slapped onto it? Remember that? I do remember that, because I, I broke that story back Uh-oh. at CES. There you uh, go. I didn't know that. Back. Oh, that's great. So I, I'm, yeah. uh, I set you yeah. up there. There you go. But as I say, uh, the that Motomod, um, the actual finished one, when you put it on there, there was, like, this kind of, you know, there was just, like, you know, it It worked. It was a little clunky, and there was kind of like this weird gap around it and stuff, which, you know, I don't think you're going to see that with Apple. Um, I'm also curious to see if, if there's going to be a battery case like that, because that would be kind of cool. I could also, uh, one of their big things they flexed on yesterday was the cameras and some of the, the new features for photos and video. I could see, you know, people like something like Moment or something like that, putting out a, a camera case for that. So you can get some ND filters on your, your lenses for your, your movies and your, your product videos for your job. Totally. I think the the possibilities are pretty endless. I we got to move on, and I know we don't have a huge amount of time left, but I wanted to talk about the camera technology because that's where things get a little bit tricky for customers. Because the, while the iPhone 12 and 12 mini have the same camera, things get a little bit more different with the Pro and the Pro Max. So break down what the the camera options are for folks who haven't heard. You know, it's 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 interesting when you talk about cameras because it used to just be you talk about the cameras, but now it's the cameras, it's the software, it's the the processor, it's um, Apple's special like smart HDR stuff. But what's neat about this is across all four phones, they all got a new camera. And that's the main camera, the main wide camera that's on all four phones, has a new lens, has a, a wider aperture. So what that means is it lets in more light and more light means in darker situations, 
um, there's going to be less noise and your pictures look better. And that means less work for uh, that processor. And then you also have the fact that that same camera has a, a, a new sensor as well, which um, I'm not sure if it's the same Sony one that we saw on their Xperia uh, 5 Mark II, which was really cool, but um, I'm curious to see if that is. That all being said, all of that's powered by this A14 Bionic chip, which again is on all four phones. Um, and that allows things like night mode to happen. Uh, that allows things like deep fusion, which is, uh, we call it sweater mode, right? It's able, in those medium to low light situations, like indoors, it's able to like re reduce image noise and it's able to improve textures. They, we call it sweater mode because almost all the photo examples had sweaters in it. Um, and then there is also the fact that there are the pro models and the pro models have a telephoto camera and each pro model has a different one. So the 12 pro has the same telephoto camera essentially that we've had since like the iPhone 7 plus. Is that when the first one came out? But it's a 52 millimeter camera. Um, now the 11 pro max has a brand new 65 millimeter. And this is actually a telephoto lens, um, uh, telephoto lens on it. And so what that means is you're going to have a 2.5 times optical zoom with before you hit digital on the iPhone 11 Pro Max, and yeah, sorry, the, you mean the iPhone 12? Uh, yeah, iPhone 12 Pro Max. Yeah, you could. By the way, these names horrible. Just God, please stop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the 12 Pro Max has, now has a 2.5 times optical zoom versus the 12 Pro and 11 Pro and all the other Pros before it, which just have a two times optical zoom. Is that anywhere near the Samsung space zoom on the Galaxy S20 Ultra? No, but uh, honestly, you don't need that. But I do think I would have liked to see more of like a five times optical zoom. I think a lot of people are hoping it would be different. Now we'll test it out and see what that does. But if you think about that, again, all four phones have that new wide camera. It also has an ultra wide, which got some software improvements for distortion. And then the pros have those new telephotos. By the way, all four phones now have night mode on all the cameras. All four phones now have deep fusion on all the cameras. And obviously they have that new Smart HDR 3, which is their third version of Smart HDR. So that's the breakdown. So in a weird way, again, if you look at that mini, it's really curious how does it have all these same things as the bigger phones. I'm a video person and one of the things they, they uh, talked about was Dolby Vision. That's on all four phones. It's just you get the most out of it on the bigger the bigger phones. It can support 4K 60 frames per second, whereas on the lower end phones, it's 4K 30. So again, you're kind of like you're digging in there. Now, is there some stuff that the those um, higher end phones can do that uh, the pros like, ah. is there some stuff that the pro phones can do that the 12 and 12 mini can't? Yes. Uh, one of them is they're going to have this new file format called, <laughs> oh boy, talk about name here. Um, uh, <laughs> pro raw and what pro uh, we you get you may have know there's jpeg photos and there's raw photos what pro raw does is it gives you the flexibility of a raw file which allows you to adjust things after you take the photo better but it also combines that with some of the computational uh smarts from apple's um a14 bionic chip so that's something that's going to roll it just to those um high-end phones all that being said yeah again i think the 12 and 12 mini are I, on paper, it just seemed like a really compelling deal. That my only swipe against these phones, um, the 12 mini and the 12, is the fact that they start at 64 gigabytes of storage, whereas the pros start at 128 gigabytes. So if you're looking at that 699 price for that iPhone 12 mini, 
uh, you probably want to get at least go up to the next level, which is going to cost, which is going to bring you up to eight hundred dollars, right, to get that one twenty eight. Well, there, there's that, and I know lidar is the other big feature. This is the the depth sensor that is on the pro version. But beyond that, I mean, they're throwing in a lot, but they're also removing some elements from the iPhone, or specifically the iPhone box. Like, what, what exactly are we no longer getting in these packages? All right. Well. I'll, I'll, I feel, and I'm, I'm mixed on this too. So in the boxes, you usually get a pair of ear pods that were wired. You usually got a cable to plug your phone in, and you usually got like a power brick to plug it in the wall. Now, Apple is not including the ear pods, the wired ear pods, which I don't think that's a big loss. Yeah. Um, but they're also not including the power brick. And their rationale is that they're, I don't know what number they said, it was a big number, that there are a lot of these in existence already. And the their angle was that it's not, it's going to be good for the environment, which I think is partially true. Now, if you think about it, though, the cable they did include in the box is a USB-C to lightning cable. Now, I have a million of those five watt chargers that are USB-A. And I don't think most people who have an iPhone are going to have that uh, USB-C power brick. So even if Apple is talking about the environment, there's still a lot of people who aren't going to have a way to plug this into a wall and they're going to have to rely on a laptop or another device to plug it into. So that's where I'm a little mixed about that because I know my iPhone, I still have that USB-A cable. I don't have that USB-C cable or uh, power brick. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think for, I mean, for some of us in the industry who deal with a lot of different phones, like I have a few of them, but I agree. Most people, especially if they're really just upgrading from an older iPhone, they just have that USB-A uh, port. And so, yeah, in terms of the stat that uh, Apple kind of gave out, like the, what I've been told is that the the changes to the packaging and removing some of this stuff, it's equivalent of taking 450,000 cars off the road, which is a compelling argument for, you know, being more green, but there is definitely doing this is definitely going to be an annoyance and, and may end up forcing people to buy new adapters. So I don't necessarily know if it like fully solves that problem, but yeah, here we are. Well, and I'm going on Apple's site right now. Did they announce new adapters yesterday, Roger? Do you remember that? So I believe they actually reduced the price of the USB-C adapters. That's at least what I've told. I haven't really confirmed that yet, but um, that, and I believe the ear, the ear pods, I believe are, are, less expensive too but they they try to do some of it to, to kind of mitigate the damage but yeah you you can suspect that for folks upgrading to this phone that they're going to need uh to buy a new adapter well and then but let's let's spin it the other way right so let's say that like i i look at the thing i'm like yeah i'm so excited about my new iphone i got 5g and then i'm like oh i don't have a wall plug that works with this I, you know I, I don't mind i'll I'll spend more money and buy one am i gonna buy the the, the one that goes in the wall, or am I going to get that fancy MagSafe charger that's $39, right? That's I'm wondering if Apple's – and this is for the, the jaded uh, covering the industry person to me because the – okay, here we go. The 20-watt USB-C power adapter is $19. That's $19 though. And uh, for $20 or more, I can get that cool, sweet MagSafe charger, which is, by the way, at the top of the page versus – a good, a good, healthy four or five scrolls down to get to the USB-C power adapter. Well, and that, I think that's a decision that, yeah, that, that Apple is kind of driving you towards. The, the whole idea with MagSafe and all this stuff, the, making the quick charge available and wireless charging, I mean, it's, it's clear that they're trying to move to a future where it's all wireless charging. We're not quite there yet. It's not practical. And it's probably too expensive for a lot of folks. But that's clearly what Apple wants 
everyone to go to, to, to eventually close up that port completely. Yeah. And I, I know, you know, this, I think it's kind of like those, uh, (laughs) um, the scooters a few years ago that were called like hoverboards, they didn't really hover, right? It's kind of like the wireless charging is not really wireless. It's basically a giant circular magnet that <laughs> slaps onto the back of your phone. Is that a little more compelling to use than maybe plugging in the bottom? Nah, I don't know. You could argue either way. Uh, but yeah, if, if all you know, for years we've heard those rumors that iPhone is moving towards not having any any ports on it. Um, they removed the headphone jack. Could the lightning port be next? Quite possibly. Not for a while, but but you know that's that's something they're keeping an eye on. All right, well, Patrick, thank you for your time. You can read all of our Apple coverage and Patrick's stories on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. And if you'd like to receive direct text messages from me, text 646-461-4291 to sign up. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.